We have been very spoiled. Our stages, our radio airwaves, playlists, TV screens and award nights for close to 40 years, they have had 20 ARIA top 40 singles in Australia and international success, especially in Germany, UK, Norway and New Zealand. Now they've just announced a brand new chapter in their amazing story. On the phone with me today to share the news is Andrew Greedy Smith from Mental As Anything. Welcome, Greedy. Thanks, Brian. Well, I'll take you back to the early days. Twelve albums between 1979 and 2009, that distinctive sound of soul and rock. You formed back in 1976 at an art school in Sydney. What's it like for you, Greedy, looking back on such a stellar career? It's uh, amazing that um, that we still play, that people still know our songs. And I think back to the person, I mean, my, my son's 17 and he's, to his last year of high school, and and I think you know what I was doing with his, his age. And it wasn't very long from from that time to being in a band, and and in, and now I'm an old bloke, and I think it's <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing that that um, that collaboration that started back then is something that we still talk about today. That I'm talking to you about, which is amazing. It is amazing because I have looked back in time and the uh, discography list goes on and it's an amazing. You've made uh, a guest appearance with the band on Harmonica whilst you were still with another band. Tell us what happened there. Oh, no, we, we all had different bands. But I just been, I, I, was, I was brought along to play with a few guys um, who were putting a band together at the art school and playing the harmonica a bit and then uh, with uh, Martin and, and Reg Mombasa who was in the band back then and... Uh, Martin Plaza and, uh, and I came and uh, played a bit of harmonica with them and then after a while they sort of said, oh, you know, look, if you're going to be in a band, we just don't want the harmonica. Harmonica's nice, we don't want it every song. You're going to have to play play the organ. So <laughs> went out and bought it. And I was a second-hand organ and sort of learnt to play on, on the job from, from that, you know, just sort of try and get, uh, muddle my way through what was needed. Yeah, well, you're well known for your catalogue of hit singles and you uh, hit the Aussie charts with covers of songs from Roy Orbison, Elvis and Chuck Berry. What did you go with those legends? Well, the, the Chuck Berry song was not our idea. That was to, to, to provide the, the music for the, for uh, Yahoo Serious's character in Young Einstein, the film. And that's a, that's a later one. That's probably a last big chart topper in, back in the 90s. He needed to, uh, the song for... His character to to mind to, so we provided the music, so that was so, so Yahoo um, uh, very nicely asked us. Yeah. And Elvis, we, we have Elvis. I mean, we, we the, the band uh, was to uh, we said the band really dates from the from the, uh, the long our longest continuous lineup went from the day after Elvis died in in 1977. So that's so we, there's a big connection with Elvis because we even before then we were doing Elvis songs. And doing three or four Elvis songs, and and so there's always been a bit of connection there. Martin fancies himself as a bit of an Elvis, and the same with Roy Orbison. So yeah, so we do a bit of that, and uh, we we started writing our own songs pretty well uh, early on, and we had we had four songwriters in the band, and we, we happened to get to it was a record company that well, they these guys just wanted to start a record label, and um, they chose us because they thought we were a bit boppy and they liked our original songs, and so. Because of that, that they re- and they really promoted us. Uh, even though we put out albums, they, they really liked the idea of putting out singles every few months. 
Yeah, because I did true. I did read that somewhere, Greedy. It was uh, your first performance with the new lineup at uh, Sydney's Cell Block Theatre on August the seventeenth, which was the day news broke of uh, Elvis's death, and you sort of changed things around on your set list uh, to pay homage, which was a fantastic idea. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we did a few. We did a few more. Martin painted a big big backdrop of uh, of, of a big painting of Elvis to put up on on, on the day, and it was the it was a solemn moment. It's mm. interesting enough that um, that was in Sydney at the Cell Block Theatre. We also, from talking to guys in different bands, we worked out um, that Inexcess did their first show under the name of Inexcess that night, somewhere in, in the Northern Beaches area of uh, Sydney. And also Midnight Oil did their first show under the name of Midnight Oil that night too. We are talking to Rob Hurst, the drummer. And so, so a, lot, a lot happened that Friday night. Wowee. There's some amazing names in there, Grady. But um, it was just just uh, the, the guys that we sort of tend to play with over the years, and uh, and so it wasn't until uh, much later. It was possibly, probably wasn't until more than twenty years after it happened that we realised it was the same night. <laughs> you celebrated twenty years together in nineteen ninety seven. Now. You put together your third group art exhibition, which is called Mental Three, which was opened by the former Prime Minister, Gough Whitlam. What words of wisdom did Gough have for you? He had an uh, interesting word of wisdom. He mainly used it as an opportunity to bag out an old um, um, political adversary. <laughs> he was a former band manager, uh, a guy called Philip Smiles, <laughs> who actually he managed my neighbours, my neighbour, where I'm living now. My neighbour was in a band back in the 60s and this guy used to manage him. <laughs> it's so funny. But, but speaking of band managers, because that, that was the, the, the third group mental exhibition, the second exhibition was opened by Paul Keating, yes. who was famously was managed a band called The Ramrod. <laughs> I remember that. And he, and he spoke, when he, he opened our exhibition, he was speaking all about, about, about managing the band, The Ramrod. <laughs> it's quite funny. But, yeah, we... we 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 did a lot of that, had a lot of that sort of activity because at that stage we were all doing a fair bit of art at the time. I don't know how, how we had the time, but it's interesting. You know, like our two um, the two brothers in the band, um, Peter O'Doherty and and his big brother Reg Mombasa, they left the band in about two thousand because they were just concentrating full time on their art. Now, yeah, I mean, Reg had done done Mambo stuff. He did famous that he did a lot of work for the. Uh, the closing ceremony of the Olympic Games in Sydney. He did uh, uh, design a lot of stuff for that, so he was he was a bit busy for that. And, and, and his little brother Pete, he's the only one of us who didn't go to art school. He went off and um, he's gone off and had a very success, successful now, career. You performed three songs in 1985's Oz for Africa concert, which was part of the Global Live Aid program. Tell us a little bit about the buzz around that performance. Did Molly Meldrum put you up to that? No, I don't know if it's Molly. I'm not sure what, how that happened. We we ended up. I know that we we were the first band on it in the world. I knew that that we were the that, that because they they had televised it in all of the um, areas where the, in the uh, where it was going around the world. But they had a sort of like a, a television link up, and we were the first band on in the in the, the Live Aid event. It was a, like a, a global thing. And that, all I remember is that somebody lost my um, my radio mic in the, in the in the cab because we did three shows in Sydney and then and then raced and got on a plane and flew down and played the Pier Hotel at Frankston. Oh wow! <laughs> on stage at about nine o'clock, so we we or ten o'clock I think it was, but we yeah it's a bit, bit of a mad dash. So I, all, all I can remember is that it's, it's um, there was a lot of um, 
it's not a kerfuffle. It's a big deal. Yes, it is a big, a big deal. deal. And uh, and uh, but but I think um, now I, I just did an interview recently. The, uh, the guy in uh, in America talking about the history of that putting together because I think it's been a while since it was it's just this was thirty thirty years ago. Was it eighty five or eighty six? Yeah, nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Yeah. Back in 2009 as well was a big moment for you. It saw Mental as Anything recognised at the ARIA Awards with the induction into the ARIA Hall of Fame. Take us through that moment, Greedy. What was it like for you and the group? Oh, it was, it was interesting because, um, uh, I mean, we were a bit sort of shell-shocked by the whole thing and uh, we had a, a couple of our original members up there. Reggie and Pete came back into the band for the, for the, for the uh, thing. We were going to play on the stage and then all of a sudden our gear didn't work. Oh. First band on everything, the gear wouldn't work out. Yeah, so that was and it is, you know, we're being introduced by Alice Cooper in his tarantula suit. Oh, it was, it was a very <laughs> emotional time. But uh, I guess the wash up of it was it's nice to be, it's really lovely to be uh, considered, you know, and uh, 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 be amongst your peers, particularly we're being, being in, in, inducted with um, uh, with the band uh, uh, The Dingoes, uh, Broderick Smith and. Um, and and also uh, little Patty, uh, we used to do one of her songs, stomping at Maroubra. So yes. We, so we, it was yeah, it was yeah, it was cute, it was cute and, and cute, and that, and that seems like so many years ago now. Well, you're in good you're in good company there, Greedy, because I read somewhere that um, a quote that says, "I love mental as anything." They have a great bunch of writers and a great bunch of singers all in one band, and they. Had just make great music, and that was from the legendary Chris Isaac. Oh, Chris Isaac, yeah. Yes. yes. What do you say to that? Oh, he's a, he's a good bloke. Chris is a good bloke. You know, he first came to see us um, in uh, we were, we, were, we did a show in um, we were playing in LA, and it was about 1982. He's been around. He's you know, I mean, he's, he's a pretty good Nick, but he's he's our age. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, no, and he's good, and he, he really, really liked it. But for, for years and years, we, we've, we've toured with him a bit, and for years and years we thought, um, I mean, he, he loved Martin's voice, because he loves Roy Orbison, he loves anybody who sound, can sound a bit like Roy Orbison and Martin can do that, so, and he loved his voice. And so, but he's been very gracious in that, that last comment, he said that lots of good things, he d- didn't realise that, that I sing too, so it's, it's, it's worked out quite well. <laughs> Chris is one of those guys who... Um, he knows his music, and he really, you know, it's like working with Elvis Costello. He's, yeah. he's, he's, we learned a lot from him about he's that, that he's a, a somebody who is very talented and all that, but he's he spent so much time listening to other music, and he just soaks it up like a sponge. He's, he's great, so he's so into the music. So that I think that's a really good thing. So, so the young people today, because it's pretty hard making a living out of musicians today. I think coming on, but if you if you're going to do it, you've you really got to enjoy it. Now, Grady, I'm going to fast forward to 2009. You appeared live in Sydney with a, a digital download EP in the iTunes Live from Sydney Aussie Legends. How have oh. you? Yes, how have you guys adapted to the digital evolution and social media? Because it's come a long way oh, since you've been around. Well, social media's been around for about the last five minutes. Um, <laughs> but I must say, in terms of like, if you talk about digital anything, we our recording we started off. We just made vinyl records onto analog machine onto and, and mixed uh, mastered onto onto analog tape, and then it suddenly changed to being all that, the same stuff that mastered onto onto digital tape, and everything sounded different. 
and then we've gone through CDs and, and downloads. But we still get people bringing us up and asking us if we have any cassettes left, any tape, cassette tapes. Well, it's yes, quite, I do. I yeah. actually have some cassette tapes. I've actually got the vinyl. I've still got the original vinyl at home. Well, they're, they're doing pretty well. But I mean, there's a thing. So we've had to go through all of this. So now it, this whole thing gets a bit confusing because... Uh, you know, we're, uh, as we'll, we'll discuss, you know, we've, we've decided to put out a single every five months. Yes. For as long as we live. That's what <laughs> we're not, not albums, we're just singles. And, and I went to the record company, Universal, and I said, look, we'd like to uh, put out some singles, you know, to press up some CD singles. And I said, oh, you won't be doing that. And I said, what are you talking about? Oh, the shops don't sell them anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but we thought, no, well, okay, well. No, we'll do it. We'll get some made, and so we, we sell them off out, outside, and it, and it shows if we've got them. Oh, that's remind me of something. But um, yeah, so that's, that's a whole new thing. That the idea of downloading and then streaming. Yes. Oh, streaming makes it very tricky. We get a um, so yeah, much opportunities a, out there, greedy. Well, all of the uh, early members of the group are visual artists. Now, art school, a bit of an art school background and all that uh, visual design made mental as anything. The pioneers of music video form here in Australia in the 70s and 80s. Now, your videos, I reckon, rank as some of the funniest and most imaginative produced here in Australia of its time. How did you come up with the concept and ideas for your music videos? We had a lot of people who had gone through the art school who were interested in these kinds of things as well. Our manager had come from a worked in um, a video too in, in Italy, doing clips for bands like Sun Ra, the, the, the avant-garde jazz outfit, and also split ends. And uh, so we, we weren't the first, but there was a, we, we were part of that team where there were, at the time a lot of people interested in, in getting into making the videos. So there was it was a I think combination of yeah it was a very creative thing and a, a, a time for a lot of people, a lot of lot of acts. I remember in 1982 getting asked first trip there to Los Angeles and getting in after, but have we done any clips? And so, <laughs> oh, by that stage, we'd, I thought, oh, oh, about, I think we'd done about 18 or something. <laughs> they thought it was new. Clips were very um, important in Australia early because that's the way that the record companies overseas could get their acts on television in, in Australia and they Thought checker than putting the band on the on the plane to come over here, <laughs> so so we did the same thing to get to get our stuff shot out of seas. Yeah, it was just a really important thing to do. I mean, the band used to we used to really get sick of it actually because of the really long days. Shooting <laughs> <laughs> film is a lot harder than recording or performing yeah. live. It's probably the hardest part of the part of the part of the time. But but we yeah we. We did our fair share. Well, you have put in a lot of energy into those videos because it does does show, and you are the envy of any artist, I reckon. Top 10 Aussie singles featuring uh, If You Leave Me, Can I Come Too, which was from 1981. Too Many Times, also in 1981, and Rock and Roll Music, one of my personal faves from 1988, recorded for the Yahoo serious movie Young Einstein, as you mentioned. Yeah. It went top five on the ARIA singles charts. Was that 88? I think it was after 88, wasn't it? I just can't remember. <laughs> Too long ago. You'd know, you're a young person. You'd remember <laughs> it's, all, it's all a bit grey for me. It's funny because we're, we're, we're doing doing re-releases at a new company in the U, for the UK and Europe. Yeah. And they, they ask me some hard questions. Like, <laughs> I, was, I, have, 
I better, I better Wikipedia that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I definitely got, I remember that era of music uh, being, I think I was in about grade six or grade five at the time. Now, I do want to mention my favourite all-time mental as anything track, Live It Up from 1985, number two here in Australia. It went top 10 in the UK and Norway and Germany. Featured in the 1986 Australian film Crocodile Dundee. How did that come about, Greedy? I wrote the song um, Driving Along in the... Uh in a bus, in the back of a bus in, uh, after the show, in, we were in Calgary or, or Edmonton, I think, Edmonton in Canada, we were just about really going to drive the whole along overnight across uh, Canada to Winnipeg in, the, in central Canada, and I knew I was in for a bit of a boring time, so the mind wanders, and I, I wrote the song pretty much in about half an hour oh, wow. in my head, but then it took two years to get it right. And then uh, I got it right just about three days before the before the producer that we brought in from America to, to record that fundamental album. I just sort of worked out how to do it. We borrowed this drum machine. Well, I didn't borrow it, actually. bought it from Harry Vander and George Young. It was the first Lynn drum in Australia. And, uh, and, I, and I ended up getting this thing, and I was able to sort out a couple of problems with the song. And, and it went... Um, it was good. It's funny, it turned up in Crocodile Dundee is a bit of a, an afterthought because <laughs> I, I was asked to write some music for Crocodile Dundee and there's, a, there's an instrumental song that, that actually features in there uh, called Sloppy Croc and I wrote that and then um, that was a bit of funny, it was a bit of umming and ahhing about which instruments would pay, what, what Paul Hogan wanted this and this one and then he said, no, no, go back to it before. So <laughs> I, 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 I'd done my recording of it and then... Uh, and then I was, I was phoning in the work from Amsterdam, I think. And he said, no, Hank, before he wanted more like cold chisel, but now he wants, no, he wants that more, more circusy like you had it before. And at the end of the film, when they were just doing the, the final cut of the film, they needed a bit of music in a party scene. And, and, and at the time, Live It Up had been a, a big hit in Australia on the radio all the time. And, and Hayes really liked it. He said, oh, let's stick this in there. It's a good, happy feel. So, and that, the funny thing about that was that... Um, when, when the song had been a hit in Australia, we'd um, taken it over, over to Europe, but no, nobody had played it, nobody was interested. And then, and then uh, Crocodile Dundee comes along, the film comes along, and then somebody in the, our English company said, oh, why don't we do this? Because it was just a bit of background music. And he, said, he approached um, Paul Hogan about using the, the Crocodile Dundee, the, the Crocodile Dundee uh, poster as, the, as a little cover for the, the single bag that went to radio. <laughs> and they saw that all. Oh, they all played it. So it was a big hit over there. Did you catch up of... with Paul Hogan, Greedy? No, no, I've never met him. I've passed on my thanks to him, but I've never, never, never actually met him. But it's interesting that that um, in in the UK, Live It Up got to number three there, and it was it was kept out of the top spot by two songs that were reissues of cover versions. One was for a jeans commercial. Well, that was the 80s. That's when all the, <laughs> when the, the ads were in the top, were in the, top in the charts. Yeah. I think it was a Boy George cover. We are going to play that classic track, Live It Up, from Mental As Anything. We're chatting to Greedy, the vocalist from Mental As Anything. Let's have a listen to the classic, Live It Up. Close. 
next year's a big one for Mental as Anything. 2017 is your 40th anniversary. You're closing in on that. You're back with a new single out. It's called Shake Off Your Sandals. Tell oh, us, a, a, yes, tell us yeah. a little bit about the new single, Greedy. Well, this is exciting. We've teamed up with um, um, Steve Jones, who produced rock and roll music for us for the Young yeah, Einstein. Actually, he was, he was brought into, into the contact brought into the country by Yahoo Serious. And I just, uh, he, he had the Young Einstein film. And, and, and Steve told me the story because Steve was working in, in this uh, chapel in England and they were doing the music. He also did the, record all the music for the Ruffles film, which is a famous sort of like send up of, of the Beatles. And apart from that, he also recorded um, the Monty Python music. He did a lot of the, um, he recorded, you know, uh, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. And, uh, oh, yes, and, I know all, that all one. The, <laughs> And the music for the life of Brian and, and the other ones from the, from the meaning a lot. He had that, that history. He found uh, Yahoo just wandering around with this at Chapel Studios and said, hey, can you have a seal? And he had such a good time. And so when he was making uh, Young Einstein, he, he said, oh, I know that guy's really good. So he brought Steve into the country. <laughs> Steve, he's the son of, uh, of Sid James, star of all the, 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 um, the uh, carry-on movies. Uh, the, the, back in there, before your time, but a great comedian. And uh, Steve's been in the country ever since. He's been doing made big, big hits for, for Screaming Jets and uh, well, quite a few people. He's, he's well, anyway, he's back, he's, we're back working with him. And so it's the um, first song, uh, Shake Off Your Sandals and Come Back to Bed. Um, that's the first one of the new policy. I said to Martin, look, you know, Martin and I are the original songwriters, and I thought, yeah. you know, Martin, he might say, I've got all these songs, and I'll, I think about putting a solo album out, and I said, you don't, you don't do any promotion, nothing, but, and you're just going to do it home, you, we're, we're going to do these songs properly, yeah. we'll record them properly, we'll just go one at a time, every five months, because, you know, that's what we used to do all during the 80s, we have a song out, every four or five months, we have a song come out, and I asked our old, our old manager about it, the original manager, said, why don't we do that, why he said, Oh, we needed a song because we we're for touring, you know. And, uh, but we were touring all the time. We're doing about 280 shows a year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, so I thought, oh, so I thought, that's what we're going to do. So we've been going with, we've recorded. That one's recorded. Now, this, that's called Shake Off Your Sandal. The second song is, uh, is a song written by Martin, which is called Goat, Goat Tracks in My Sand Pit. That comes out <laughs> in April. That's more of a, that's sort of like a bit of a, Bit of a hillbilly thing. That's pretty funny. I love the titles um, on them. Goat tracks on the soundtrack. And then the third one. We've got to work out which one's going to be the next, the third one. Because we're going to alternate one. One of my songs, then one of mine, one of mine, one of mine. But the band plays on them. But we just, we just, yeah. we're just alternating songwriters. Oh, the things we used to get up to in Melbourne. Gee, the bands we used to hang out with. Yeah, I, I remember once I, I was hosting Countdown, you know, like guest host on Countdown, and um. The uh, we always stay at, at Macy's in South Yarra. It was the old Her Majesty's in South Yarra. The, the little bands would stay upstairs. And I remember because I'd done the I'd done the, the show with the Sunday. Anyway, the, uh, this band called the Tourists were playing downstairs in the in the thing in it. But there weren't probably only about about fifty or sixty people. And they sort of they weren't really getting into it. They sort of not that good. Anyway, they yeah. they came off the stage and and. And, and the singer, she couldn't, she had trouble. 
they're going to catch, catch, do. They said they're going to do. If they're short, since they're going to be on court, they just wanted to get the vibe up. And, and <laughs> the, the, the thing is, she jumped up, and it was a weird thing. It was a big step up out of the kitchen, and she she bounded up, and she banged her head, and knocked herself completely out. <laughs> and, and I had to go, and the, the tour manager Neil McKay says, "Gree, quick, go and get a doctor." It was Annie Lennox. Oh no! <laughs> it was a terrible. It's like, <laughs> and they carried it upstairs to the pool room where it was everyone hanging out. Fortunately, they they got it to come to and and carried it out before most of the other bands got back from their their shows. Uh. <laughs> What an uh, amazing history you've got. It's, yeah, it's magnificent. Little, that little stories. Yeah. Well, you mentioned touring because you have toured continuously for about 38 years, if I worked it out yep, correctly, Greedy, right. with absolutely no plans of stopping. You've got a very comprehensive tour schedule most weekends of the calendar. You're going to be here local. You're playing local uh, gigs here in yeah. Melbourne. What can we expect from the show? What's on the set list? Well, I must uh, first of all, I've got to say that the calibre of the band is absolutely at its peak at the moment. We have a pretty amazing lineup. We've got um, Martin Cilia on guitar, who was um, he played with the the uh, uh, the Atlantics for fifteen years. That's the, the band who was famous with a worldwide hit, Bombora, really famous, one of the two most famous surf songs of all time. Um, he played with them for 15 years, but also played in, in bands over in Western Australia before that, uh, like Dave Warner's from the suburbs. And he's a great player. But we've and we've got, uh, got a young drummer called Jake, Jacob Cook. He's got five kids. So, you know, he needs the work. <laughs> he's played with... He plays lots with he's played with a lot of overseas acts and uh, it's pretty you know he's really sharp. He's the best drummer I've ever played with. And we uh, we've added to the stable to the to the band uh, a guy that we met with uh, in back in the early eighties. He was in Mondo Rock for years and that, and since then he's gone on to play with Casey Chambers and Jimmy Barnes. Uh, James Gillard. Wow. And he's a, he's a terrific musician, a great singer and. Yeah, we have. I, I tell you what, we're having a ball. We had a we had a really big uh, big, uh, big one at, uh, at Bay Morris. Yeah. On the weekend, it was, it was just and it was just a great, and everybody was into it. And I tell you what, it, it does, I'm enjoying playing more now than ever before. Mind you, you know the longest break we've ever had from touring in all that time was six weeks, started <laughs> 1990, because I fell off a horse and I was oh. really badly broken up. That's the longest break we've had. If you're going to keep doing it, you really want to make sure that you enjoy it, and I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> well, it's great to see, Greedy, to see you... Uh you know, continuing on with the uh, the touring duties now for all of our listeners if you want to head down to those shows they're in town mm. they're playing yeah. a show tomorrow Friday the 19th of February at Memo Music Hall in St Kilda and then on oh, that's good, yeah. yes on Saturday in Warragul at Rock in the Park Sunday in Meredith at the Royal Hotel and Musicland in Faulkner on February 26th and they also head over to Toon Gabby and Lilyfield and Canterbury in New South Wales in April so they're going to be right here local, playing local oh, yeah. gigs in Melbourne. Now, also the uh, mentals.com.au is where you can head if you want to catch up with all mm-hmm. of the news information and also where you can grab a copy of their latest work. Five of the Mentals' most cherished albums have also been reissued in a five-album set. They're absolute collector's items, those ones. So it's mentals.com.au and facebook.com forward slash mentalsofficial and they are also on Twitter at mentalsofficial and Instagram at mentalsofficial. 
Greedy, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you here. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Brian. You've, you've been so thorough. It's great. been great to, to, uh, to get, cover some of that, those areas that I don't always cover. Thank you very much. You're very, very welcome. Get more.